0: Am I on? There we go. So the question for us today is, what is freedom? Now, as we begin to think about that question, usually our first thoughts go to the Bill of Rights that we have as an American. We're the freest country in the world, right? We have the freedom to speak. We have the freedom of the press, freedom of religion, freedom to associate, freedom, freedom, freedom. Yeah, we have tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of laws, right? I mean, just have you guys ever looked at the tax guideline book law? It's like this thick. I mean, we have laws and laws and laws. So to answer the question, what is freedom? We really have to understand a different question is why are we free? Why is freedom so important to us? And as we begin our story today, we'll be in Galatians chapter 5, so if you want to go ahead and open your Bible there, we're going to spend a great deal talking about freedom. And of course, Jim last week started talking about slavery to greed, and we're in the middle of our generosity series. And so what we're going to begin to understand is that freedom and generosity are tied very close together that they go hand in hand, and that both of them have an important balance. And that maybe the concepts of freedom that we, especially as Americans, believe we have, maybe not, may not be what really freedom is in the biblical context. So, in Galatians 5, we'll start out, verse 1, "...it is for freedom that Christ has set us free." Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burned again by the yoke of slavery. So Paul is writing this to the church of Galatia, and he is referring to what's called the Judaizer, the people that were there trying to get people to come back and practice the law. All 613 laws. Now, how many of you, anyone, know all 613 laws in the Old Testament? Anyone? Maybe? How many of you know 10 of those laws? Okay, just checking. Okay, we've got the Ten Commandments, right? So we automatically, as 21st century Americans go, and Christians go, okay, so there's a bunch of laws in the Old Testament, don't really know those, don't really know why they're there. So, well, then we have got the Ten that are on the stone tablets, the, the Ten Commandments, I probably should follow those. Most of us should be able to re, would be able to respond to those and recite those. If not, ask your kids, they'll be able to recite those. And then we start going a little bit further into the timeline, and then Jesus, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, simplifies it a little bit further. He takes the 613 laws, which we boil down to 10, and he takes it to 2. He says, love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And now, love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two greatest commandments. And all the things that the law and the prophets have said hinge and are built on those two commandments. So he simplifies, Christ simplifies all 632 laws, sorry, 13 laws down to two. And as we move through the sermon today, we'll actually see that Paul takes it one step further. And in freedom, he takes it to one law. So in Galatians chapter one, sorry, chapter five, verse one, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Paul is saying, let go of those laws. Not that they're not good, not that we shouldn't know them, but they're no longer what gives you freedom. For Christ has set you free. for our freedom comes from Christ. Now think of that. Some of you are parents, and some of you are now starting to think about the cultural laws that we have, which say, I have to give my son or daughter a car at 16. I have to pay for all my kids' sports. I have to pay for their college education. I read an article a couple weeks ago The average cost right now in America to raise a kid from 0 to 18 is $250,000. That's not including the $200,000 you're going to pay on their college education. So you're looking at maybe close to a half a million dollars per kid just to get them ready into adulthood if you burden all of that cost? That means if you have four kids, that's $2 million dollars. That's a lot of money. Who would like $2 million in their bank account? I would. I'll take that any day of the week. Christ has set us free. Christ has set us free from not only all of those laws of the Old Testament, but also a lot of our social and cultural laws. That's a burden we don't need to feel. And we're going to learn more and more about that today. That doesn't make it easier Doesn't make us worry about money less. Doesn't make us need it less either. I mean, college costs what college does. It's $125,000 for four years. It's $125,000. They don't give you a two-for-one coupon when you get in. That'd be awesome, but they don't. At least last time I checked, they didn't. But think about that. And now as we move a little bit further into Galatians, we're going to go down into verse 13. Again, Christ has set us free. We are free because he's done that. And this isn't just the freedom to speak. As a matter of fact, you study the Bible. That doesn't exist. We're actually encouraged to speak only what is edifying, which last time I checked, that's not always what I want to say. You, my brothers, in verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, all because we have freedom, it's not about what we want. It's not about what we get to do. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this is the second point in freedom. Freedom is not tied to our desires. Freedom is tied deeply to the way that we interact with the Spirit. Christ set us free. To be free, we have to interact with the Spirit. Now think about this. This jar right here represents Katie and I's vacation fund. Okay? It's sad and pathetic, I know. I no longer use cash. No longer do. You can ask Katie. I never have cash. I'm always trying to find cash. I'm always asking if she has cash. I don't use it. So for me to actually take any change I have and put it in this container takes hours and hours and hours. As a matter of fact, I think the last three years, I'd be lucky to say I put $3 in this. It's difficult for us to start to realize what it means for us to be led in the Spirit because sometimes we don't see what's happening. We don't see how we're actually affecting each other. It's hard for us to see how we're being generous sometimes because we don't see a piggy bank just slowly filling up. We don't recognize some things. Matter of fact, if we go back to what I was just talking about, some of those cultural laws that we feel obliged to take part in paying for kids colleges or helping pay or paying for cars or paying for gas if you ask my wife i'm still spoiled even as a 30 year old we feel obliged to do that we don't see the spirit moving that because we're under the law we're under someone else telling us that that's important But the freedom that Christ gives us is us beginning to make the decision of, oh, let me take some money out and put it in here. Let me be led by the Spirit in the way that I manage my finances. Let me serve one another. Let me love others as I love myself. Anyone in here planning to get the new iPhone 6? Anyone? Nobody's willing to admit it or nobody's, okay, one person. Okay, there we go. Okay, now let's think about that. The starting cost of an iPhone is close to $1,000. That's a lot of money. Now, how many of you, if you want an iPhone 6, are going to not only buy the iPhone 6 for you, because that's loving me for you, but to really follow this command, you're going to pick up a second one and give it to someone else. Because really, right here, Paul says, to be led by the Spirit, and to love one another, we do it for. The standard is how we love ourselves. So if I'm going to go to Starbucks, if I'm going to treat myself to a $6 drink, I better be buying someone else a $6 drink. You know, one of those laws that we're no longer under is that idea that 10% is what we give. We're led by the Spirit. Spirit. Not that 10% isn't a good number, it's a great number. But it's not about the number. It begins to become about how we're led by the Spirit. Because last time I checked, none of us look at our bank account and go, Well, I have this much money, so this is how much love I can give someone. We go, Okay, I've got this kid who's causing problems. I need to know how to love them, so I'm going to go and figure out what that's going to take, and I'm going to meet them where they're at. Or I've got this guy at work who drives me crazy. His name's Mark Hill, by the way. (laughs) And I'm just going to love and love and love on him. That's not a number. I have to love him like I want to be loved, as I would love myself. Maybe, this might be a concept for you, for some of you, maybe the best way to love your kids is not to pay for their college. Maybe the best way to love your kids is not to buy them a car. Maybe the best way to love yourself is not buy yourself a $6 Starbucks. But that's the standard that that Paul lays out for us. He's taken all 613 laws from the Old Testament, and then the Ten Commandments, and then what Jesus said, and now the standard of freedom is the ability to serve one another and love one another as yourself. That's pretty broad. So if we go back into the Old Testament, we discover that those 613 laws are actually pretty good for us even now today that they act more as boundary markers for us. We see, hey, this is what we should do with our money because these are some great examples. The 613 laws were broken down into a couple of categories. Two of them, one of them was holiness laws. How are we to live differently than everyone else? The other one were set of cleanliness laws. How do I become healthy? Matter of fact, when the Jews followed those laws so well, When the Black Plague happened, everyone thought the Jews were to blame because none of them got sick. Because they followed the laws. They were still able to take care of people, but they didn't get sick. Matter of fact, we in our society take advantage of some of those laws because we understand that it's important for us to use bathrooms that take the waste and put it somewhere else. A waste treatment facility instead of us letting it just pile up next to our house. Right? Because that's what it talks about in those Old Testament laws. Those are healthy for us. So there's good things in those laws. But now they're boundary markers. Think about it. If you're going skiing up here, you know what runs are open and what runs are closed just by the little rope. You don't cut that rope, you don't go underneath it because it's not safe, it's a boundary. Just like some of those laws for us. But they are good for something. But Paul again brings it down to the one idea of love others as you love yourself. And then we're going to move this a little bit further. If you track with me down to now verse 22. This is where we're really going to start talking about that piggy bank of generosity. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, forbearance, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We begin to see how truly generous we are when we start to see the gifts of the Spirit in our life. We begin to see how God is interacting with us when we watch the fruits of the Spirit pour out of us. I can't see how a $6 Starbucks affects someone, but I can see what joy and how that affects someone. I can see how me being gentle to someone affects them. So here's a question for you today. In all the freedom that we have, We have the freedom to be as generous as we want to be, or as tight-handed as we want to be, but it comes down to being led by the Spirit and that partnership that we have. Because it's not a you flying solo, it's us in a partnership that works. You that are married understand that marriage happens as a partnership. You that have working relationships understand that a boss and you are a partnership. You have one goal that you're trying to achieve together. And it can't just be somebody telling you how to do it, when to do it, all that stuff, because they might as well do it themselves. Some of you might have a boss like that. And it probably drives you crazy. It's a partnership. And that partnership with the Spirit enables us to go out and live this way. So let's lead this a little bit different. How does the Spirit allow you to love people with your money? How are you showing people joy in your paycheck? We could all use a little extra. But does your boss recognize joy when you get that paycheck? Do you see it as a blessing from God? What about peace? In 2008, the Great Recession, I was graduating college as a youth pastor. I went from seeing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of youth pastor jobs to like 12. And that's 12 youth pastor jobs in comparison with the other thousands and thousands of youth pastors that are now going up in numbers that are still trying to find jobs. Everything dried up. You talk about trying to have peace in that situation when you're like, God, I just spent $50,000 on college. How on earth do I have peace right now? That's tough. Some of you guys might have seen your 401k take a pretty big shot in 2008. Now it's a couple years later. Are you at peace yet? Are you in peace in your finances? Parents that are paying for things that your kids need, are you at peace Because that's a gift of the Spirit. That's us seeing that partnership. That's us knowing that we're loving other people as we love ourselves. Because if we're not at peace, then there's something out of balance. Are we being kind with our finances? Are we putting our finances to good use? Are we seeing and recognizing God's faithfulness? and our finances. Slowly but surely, when we start to recognize these things and see them, we start to fill up this jar. We start to recognize God being generous to us and we start to see how we're being generous to other people. You're being gentle with your finances. By the way, when you figure that out, let me know because I've been thinking about it for two weeks and I have no idea what it means to be gentle with your money. But that's a gift of the Spirit. I'm called to be generous. I'm called to be led by the Spirit. So there's got to be a balance there. There's got to be something. So think about it. Let me know. Do you have self-control? Do you have self-control in your finances? For me, that looks like me not going out to lunch 12 times a week. By the way, that means that I'm going out lunch like five times twice which does happen as a youth pastor. Um, But think about that. Do you have self-control? Because, you know, if you can't handle your finances, then you're going to miss out on opportunities to love other people. That analogy of the iPhone, $2,000 goes a long way. And if we're called to love ourselves as we love other people, right? Scratch that, reverse it. As we love ourselves, that's how we love other people. We don't get to pick and choose. It's not a, well, I'm going to love myself to this degree and I'm going to love others 10%. It's one for one, it's a balancing act. That's tough. It's tough for us to recognize the finances in our life, it's r- tough to recognize how to be generous. We're in a great congregation that is more generous than any congregation I've ever been in. On average, across America, the statistics are roughly, for every 100 people in church, you, you have about a $100,000 budget. Well, we have about, for every 100 people in church, we have a $200,000 budget, which is awesome. So when Jim brags about us, he's doing it for the right reasons. That's pretty cool. That allows Mark and I to have the jobs that we do. That comes from us being led by the Spirit, that partnership. I challenge you with that. Where is your partnership in the Spirit? Where is your freedom? Because you're allowed to love yourself. You're allowed to put money in a vacation fund. You are. But where else is it going? So as the band comes back up, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to take a time of offering. Lord, thank you so much for today. You have given us the biggest and best piece of faith and generosity just in the fact that you've given us your son. And as you bless us out of the piggy bank of heaven, you continually become more and more generous than we could ever imagine. And I pray that we would be challenging to ourselves to see where your spirit is leading us to be more generous. And at this time, I would like to to thank you for the offering that we're about to receive. Because we know that it's all yours. Thank you for letting us steward that. your powerful name, amen.